You're listening to episode 10 of Rainbow Baby, a podcast documenting a journey of pregnancy after loss. I'm your host, Taylor Bates. In May 2018, my first child, Ellis, was stillborn at 31 weeks for unknown reasons. In the depths of unimaginable grief, my husband Hunter and I knew we wanted to try again. Since then, we've experienced new pregnancies and more loss. We're still hoping for our rainbow baby, which is defined as a baby born subsequent to a miscarriage, stillbirth, or the death of an infant from natural causes. I want to share my story with you because life after pregnancy loss can be so isolating. You'll also hear conversations with others who've walked this path before me. In this episode, Hunter and I talk about our IVF egg retrieval and what it was like to go through the stimulation phase of our IVF cycle. Over the last 12 days, I've given myself a total of 56 injections, I've gone to 6 acupuncture sessions, and I've had 4 blood draws, so I've felt a little like a voodoo doll. I'm so grateful to say that everything went really smoothly for us, and I felt good physically and emotionally through the entire process. Listen in to hear how many eggs we had retrieved and what's next for us. Hi, babe. Hey. So it's been one month since our last episode. A lot has happened since then. We just had our egg retrieval today. It's about 5.30 p.m. We had it at 10.15 a.m. this morning, and I just woke up from a two-hour nap. Um, I was under anesthesia for the procedure. It went really well. Um, Should we save talking about that for the end, maybe? Um, So I guess where we left off with the last episode, we were going to start IVF. (laughs) And so since then, um, I started going to acupuncture to get ready. Because there's a lot of research that shows that acupuncture has a statistically significant impact on the success of IVF. Um, So my clinic actually has an acupuncturist in town who they recommend. um, Her name is Melsa, and she's wonderful. And um, I wasn't really sure if it was going to make a difference, but if anything – it's almost like a bonus therapy appointment too, because she, her, her, um, practice focuses on working with women who are going through IVF. So she knew my whole protocol for my meds and just everything that I was going through. And every time I see her, she would just check in and say, how are you doing? And, um, of course she knows my whole history of loss. So, um, that was nice too, just to have that kind of extra compassionate person on my team. Um, So, yeah, I started going to acupuncture, and then we had our baseline appointment where I had an ultrasound, um, and I had been taking birth control pills. So at that point, my follicles were kind of asleep, I guess, but I started with, they could see 12 small follicles, Um, and they took my blood. I think they took some blood from you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then we got the green light to go ahead because everything looked good. 
Um, and I think the next day my meds arrived in the mail and it came in two giant boxes that were shipped overnight from, I think, New Jersey, like a pharmacy mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Hoboken. Hoboken. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we got to unbox all those meds and a lot of them had to be refrigerated. It felt kind of overwhelming. I remember that day just to see everything and think, oh my gosh, we have to give all of these to me in the next 12 days. Mm -hmm. And there was one bottle for me too. Oh, and there was one bottle for you too. It wasn't injectable though. It was just pills. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had a ton of syringes and they were all different kinds of syringes and different um, liquid medications that had to be mixed um, so it was exciting, but yeah, it kind of felt overwhelming. And at that point we didn't know like the names of our medications or anything. And so we had to watch these, uh, modules that our clinic provided online. And, um, so we watched those together and they explained the whole IVF process and it's pretty extensive. Yeah. Like, uh, it, and there were quizzes at the end <laughs> that you had to pass before you could advance. Yes. So I was not expecting that and um, was a little bit frustrated because I, I thought, you know, what other, uh, I mean, for most medical procedures, you don't need, you aren't expected to know everything inside and out about the process, but I... Uh, we both kind of figured it was for liability reasons or, um, you know, so they're just kind of covering their bases, but it turns out it, it is good to know, um, you know, the whole process. Um, but definitely I think the most valuable videos were the, the ones about how to give the shots and, uh, mix the medications, I'm sure. So, yeah. Yeah, we only had to watch those, like, I think maybe the first day mm-hmm. or two while we were doing the prepping the medications and the injections. And it did feel kind of overwhelming that first day because I had to do one shot in the morning just with a um, an insulin syringe. So it's a, a very small needle. Um, so it, it wasn't, it was a good starter because it was the easiest one to do. Um, but I remember we were standing in the kitchen before you went to work and I definitely paused for like 30 seconds before I put the needle in. Cause it was, it just, I've never given myself an injection before. Um, mm. so it felt weird and, but you were a really good coach and you, we kind of stood facing each other and you, um, I'd read something that said it helps if you do the injection with your breath so I would take an inhale and then hold it and then do the shot, put the needle in, and then exhale as I was um, injecting the medication. And so you helped to coach me through that, just like you would tell me to breathe in and then put the needle in and then breathe out. So that was really helpful. And then you would give me a kiss afterward, mm-hmm. and that helped too. And an ice pack. And an ice pack. For, for the big one. Yeah, for the big one later. So in the evenings, then, we would have three shots. Um, and 
One of them you had to mix a liquid and a powder together with a syringe and then change the needle and put a new needle on and then inject it. So that was a little like probably the most complicated one. Um, and that also was the most painful one because the medication, for whatever reason, it burns as it's going in. Um, and I had been told that ahead of time, so I knew to expect it. Mm-hmm. And so one friend told me that she actually weirdly kind of started to like the burn. It's a minipure if anyone is ever in this situation. Um, and so Hunter, while I was injecting it, he would say, feel the burn, enjoy the burn, feel the medication working. And that really helped. So that's just a tip for anyone out there. If you have to do this, it really helps to have, um, your partner just kind of like coaching you. And, and, um, it was amazing how I could still feel the burn when you said that, of course, but it made it less painful. And I would kind of smile too while I was doing it. Um, and then there was this other medication that came in a pen. That's what they called it. It's just like the... Follistim. Follistim. So it's like the receptacle, I guess. Is that the right word that they... The, not really. Um, but it's, it looks like an oversized pen. Mm-hmm. And you put a, <clears throat> a, the medicine vial inside of the pen. And you attach a needle to the end of it. Um, and then you dial in how much you're supposed to do. Um, so the, those were my, and then I did the same medication. I repeated the medication that I also did in the morning. So it was four a day for the first week. Um, and definitely by like the third day, it was no big deal already. We got our little routine down and, um, it, it really didn't feel like that big of a deal. Um, so that was great. And then on after one week, um, well, I had I had another um, ultrasound and lab work. So they do those pretty frequently during the stimulation phase, and um, everything was looking good. I had responded, and my follicles had doubled in size. They were like, they went from like two millimeters to I think six or seven millimeters. Um, and my blood work looked good. They could see my estrogen was going up. Um, so they added this other medication that we'd been, um, shipped called Omnitrope. And that's supposed to be like the kind of, someone said it's like steroids for the eggs. So that's what really boosted them. Um, and I did that for four days. So that was, um, that upped us to five injections a day. And, um, and then we had another ultrasound on a Saturday morning at 7.45 a.m. And at that point, the um, follicles had doubled in size again. So they were like 14 millimeters, um, which was what they were supposed to be doing. So it was great. And then another two days later, I had another ultrasound and um, everything we had two follicles that were 18 millimeters. So um, that's when they know that you're ready for uh, um, the trigger shot and for egg retrieval. So that was um, a few days ago. And then on my birthday, my 33rd birthday, um, which was two days ago, I had my trigger shot. And um, that is... 
essentially HCG, which is the pregnancy hormone. And I'm still not quite sure why that's part of the process, but for whatever reason, that kind of helps to like do the final maturation of the eggs and gets them ready for the egg retrieval. So you need to go watch those modules again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you weren't able to be at the the last ultrasound when they showed us how to do the trigger shot. So my mom was with me actually, and um, she was asking the nurse like, "What do people do if they can't give themselves shots?" And she said, oh, actually, our nurses go out, like, all the time and give people their shots. And some people even do it the whole 12 days or whatever. You know, they'll have a nurse come out every day, which seems intense. But um, my mom was like, it's your birthday. I'm going to buy you a, a trigger shot. So um, that was really sweet. And it really helped to kind of take away the stress of that shot because it has to be given at exactly the right time. 35 hours before your egg retrieval. So it was 11.15 p.m. And it's an intramuscular shot. So it had to go in my rear. Um, the needle was intimidatingly large. And um, since you weren't able to be there and ask questions, it just felt like a little stressful to think of you doing that as your first injection, like this really important one. Um, and you said if you if you miss, like it's possible you hit a vein, right? Right. And if you hit a vein, then well, you, you have to put it in and kind of draw back to right. see if you pull any blood. And if yep. you do, then you have to stick do it, it again. again. Yeah. So I'm revealing this on the podcast, but I was a little bit disappointed when I found out that I wasn't going to be doing it because I was kind of getting excited about, well, not ex excited is not the right word, but I was getting ready to do my duty. Yeah. You know, because I had... I was, uh, in the last podcast, I mentioned that I was not looking forward to the shots, but after doing them for a couple weeks with you or, you know, watching them, I realized it's not a big deal and I think I could have, but, yeah. but then after talking with you about it and hearing like how kind of high stakes it is and mm -hmm. it's like, it has to be within 10 minutes or else it could throw the whole thing off yeah. and, um, you know, what if you miss? And just like that, you know, it, it sounded like a more stressful shot than the other ones potentially. So. Yeah. Well, I know that you absolutely could have done it. And I, I would have felt fine about it if you would have been there in that appointment to like ask mm -hmm. questions and, you know, test it out or whatever. Um, but fear not because you'll get to do all of my progesterone shots, which are, which are also intramuscular. All and right. there we go. <laughs> so you'll definitely get to fulfill your duty because <laughs> um, those, I think, we're doing a mock cycle um, for my next, for the next month. So they'll, um, we'll do a cycle as though they were going to do an embryo transfer. And I have to take these progesterone shots, which are also in the butt. And, um, and it's progesterone oil, which people say is kind of mm. not the most fun shot. But um, And then once you get pregnant, you have to do those for the first 10 weeks of pregnancy. So there's a ton of those shots that you'll be doing. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're doing a mock cycle um, 
so that they can do a biopsy of my uterus on the day that they would implant the embryo and that'll tell them what the best day is for implantation and then the next cycle um so like early december they'll actually do the real embryo transfer um so this morning um we had our egg retrieval and um we got there an hour before the procedure so around 9 15 in the morning um i was pretty nervous about getting there because it takes like 25 or 30 minutes depending on traffic but we made it and um once we got there they took us into um this part of the clinic we hadn't been to before um and i had to change into like a hospital gown and um booties and like a net over my hair um because it it, i guess it it was like a surgery you know um i had to go under anesthesia so um and then you got to go and give a sample um fulfilled that duty (laughs) and um so you did that before the egg retrieval so they already had your sperm and um, then the embryologist came and talked to me about what was going to happen with our eggs and how they were going to progress, hopefully, over the next few days and what to expect. And then the anesthesiologist came and talked to me about what to expect for the procedure. Um, and the doctor who performed the procedure came in and said what she was going to be doing. So it was a lot of information, like information overload. Um, but my nurse was super sweet, the one who was prepping me and, um, she asked me about what I do. And so I told her about, um, this podcast and that it was called rainbow baby. And, um, and so she started asking me about that and I told her about Ellis and, um, she was really sweet and, and said, and shared that she'd also lost a little girl at 22 weeks. Um, so that was kind of a nice moment where we got to connect and then I just feel like it made her kind of rooting for us even that much more. Um, and she took really good care of me. And so then the anesthesiologist came back and he put, um, whatever his little margarita into my IV and pretty shortly there, I remember them rolling me into the room where they were doing the procedure and they put my legs up on stirrups and then I don't remember anything after that. Um, and then I guess the next moment I was back in that little, um, post-op room and, um, you were there and I could hear you and the nurse talking, um, and slowly started to come back to reality, but the procedure itself only took what, like 30 minutes or so? If that. Yeah, and you got to watch it on a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I had two screens in front of me in another room, um, one that had the ultrasound view and another that had the kind of microscope view um, that was inside so you could see the little needle or pipette that they were sucking up the eggs. They told us that they got 12 eggs, which is good, I think. And mm-hmm. and uh, the, the doctor said that that was more than she was expecting to find. So that's good news. Um, 
to be honest, it was it was hard to tell on the screen, you know, when she was sucking up the the matter, like what was an egg and what mm-hmm. was other like debris and mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> there were pieces that looked like like coral reef kind of matter <laughs> or like seaweed. I I don't know what that is, but yeah. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. Um, and then uh, they told me I could come back and join you. And I joked afterwards that you may have had the like beaten the record for the longest time in the bed, spent in the bed recuperating <laughs> after the procedure, uh, and and the nurse said oh, you can tell she's a lightweight like, <laughs> yeah. you know two glasses of wine and that's <laughs> because um I mean, you just had your eyes closed and we're we're out so yeah but they did they had you on not only the anesthesia which is like uh what is it propofol or propo something like that and then they also had you on something that was like Valium and then hmm. also like a pain, strong painkiller fentanyl. Wow. So that's a lot yeah. mixed together. Um, and I, I was saying uh, to the nurse that I recently had a colonoscopy and they put me out and they used the same anesthesia, but they didn't use any of the other stuff. So... Huh. Um, it, it makes sense why you were kind of slower to, uh, to <laughs> yeah. recuperate, a little groggy. Yes. So. But um, you've recovered well, haven't had any pain. Yeah, so amazingly. Yeah. They said that I m- might have some um, equivalent to like menstrual cramps today, but so far I haven't felt any pain. I've just been um, really relaxed <laughs> to a long nap and um we watched some lost and mm-hmm. ordered had some lunch delivered so we've just been taking it easy um and we'll hear tomorrow from the embryologist how many of the eggs were mature and how many they did the ICSI procedure on so the ICSI stands for um oh gosh what does it stand for it's, I have no idea. <laughs> it, it's it's where they take one sperm and they insert it into each egg, um, instead of just like letting a bunch of sperm try to fertilize an egg. Um, and so it's it it's supposed to increase your success because they choose the best sperm. Um, and so, but I guess they only do that procedure on the mature eggs. So tomorrow we'll learn how many they fertilized. And how many are progressing? Um, so our our little embryos are already on their way as we speak, um, which is really cool to think about. And it, it, people call them M babies, like embryos, M babies. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully we'll have lots of little M babies because the idea is we'll freeze all of the viable ones after they're genetic tested. And um, hopefully we'll have, you know, enough for future IVF transfers 
So if we want to have multiple children, we won't have to go through this egg retrieval process again. That's the hope. Um, so it's all really exciting. That it is. <laughs> I'm excited. I hope this episode was meaningful for you. To connect with me, you can visit taylorashleybates.com and also find me on Instagram. Please share this podcast with anyone you know who is walking through life after pregnancy loss, whether they are trying to conceive, currently pregnant, or parenting after loss. And please subscribe and review this podcast. It really is important. Your feedback will help shape this podcast and will also help others to find it. Stay tuned for the next episode where I'll share part two of Jess Lowry's powerful story, which includes the adoption of her rainbow baby Shiloh. I'm Taylor Bates. Thank you so much for listening.